Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Today we're, we're going to be talking about your lungs, uh, kind of talking about your lungs. Everybody take a big breath for me. Does it feel good to do that? You know, sometimes you just you, you just forget to breathe, right? Sometimes we just we get doing life, and, and really when we talk about our breath, we're talking about the human soul, and that's why sometimes if you if you calm down for just a minute and you just sit there, and you know they they release this new app on the on the watch, and uh, I think it might be on your phone also, and it's called Breathe, and I was like, oh, that's really weird. You know, what is this? Some kind of like new age app? So I tried it, and uh, I prayed. I was like, Lord, just pray that you protect me. And so I I, I I tapped this little app thing, and I went through this little breathing thing, and I was just like. Wow, I feel really good. Like I, I just felt like I just took a minute to just breathe. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't wasn't thinking about where my car keys were or where my phone was or what if somebody replied to me on Facebook. All I thought about was just that moment and just clearing my soul, if you will, and just getting in that moment of just taking a minute to breathe. And I think a lot of times in our life, we, we are unhealthy in our soul because we don't take a minute to breathe. And when we think about our lungs, that is really uh, where, where all this originates. So let's talk about your lungs today that you just used to take that big breath. Your lungs weigh about three pounds your lungs, and they, they have a large capacity, but they're not super heavy. The left lung is, is a little uh, lighter than the right lung the left, because the left lung has two lobes, and the right lung has three lobes, if you know anything about that. And, and basically inside, I think we have some pictures of some lungs up here. Kind of a, a, so inside your lungs, you have this like tree-looking thing. You guys have seen the pictures, right? The bronchial tree. And so when you breathe, in fact, did you know that when you breathe in through your nose, it's better than if you breathe through your mouth? And people that, that run will tell you this. I don't usually have anything I'm running from. Uh, it, like if there's a buffet or something, I might run to that. But uh, there's, a, there's these, uh, when you breathe in through your nose, it basically what it does is your nose serves as a filter and gives you more pure oxygen into your lungs when you breathe. And so basically the oxygen comes in. And it goes down your windpipe, and it comes down into this tree, the bronchial tree. And at the end are these little air sacs, okay? Now, inside your bronchial tree, there's, there's 30 to 500 million of these little air sacs. That's a bunch. I don't know the guy that counted that, but God bless him. He's probably still counting. That's why they say 300 to 500 million because he's crossed the 300 million mark after 40 years and he's still counting. So they're saying, you know, probably 300 to 500 million of these little tiny air sacs and, and, and over 600 miles of capillaries inside your lungs. Your lungs are, are, are a vital organ. In fact, when you stop breathing, you start dying, right? And that's how we, you know, if you stop breathing, then your what happens? Your heart shuts down. Why? Because your heart takes oxygen. That's, remember, if you guys talked, when we talked about the heart, the thing that keeps the heart functioning is not even your brain. It's the oxygen that your lungs supply to your heart that cause your heart to work as that engine. If you guys remember, we, when we talked about the heart, that your heart can actually survive apart from your brain as long as it has oxygen supplied to it. But your heart cannot survive without your lungs doing their job. This is why your heart will stop after your breathing stops. 
We inhale and exhale roughly 23,000 times a day, unless you're taking those big breaths and it's like 50. Um, so the purpose of your lungs is this, to process oxygen. That's why you have lungs. You breathe in, right, if you're a good breather. You breathe in through your nose, right? You're, you won't be called an open-mouth breather. <laughs> so you breathe in through your nose. It's better, better for you to breathe that way. But if you're breathing in, the purpose of your lungs is to bring in fresh what? Oxygen. And when you breathe out, what happens? What are you getting rid of? Carbon dioxide. Why? Because you have an engine inside of you. See, your heart is an engine, Right? Your, your heart, is. if you look at a car, you say, well, my heart is kind of like the engine of the car. Your brain would be considered your transmission. So your brain can, like, cause your heart to do certain things. That's how you get scared. Your heart starts beating real fast. This is your brain sending signals. We talked a lot about that last week. So your, your brain is kind of trans, uh, your transmission, and your, your, your fuel and your exhaust system, because you have to have both, are your lungs. So your lungs provide fuel to your heart. Your heart provides that same oxygen, the fuel, also to your brain. That's why you can move your fingers and your liver works and all these other organs work. Why? Because you have oxygen because you have your heart, that engine pumping, and you're bringing in fresh oxygen, which fires your heart, which fires it all throughout your body. It all starts in the lungs. And you get rid of this waste called what? Carbon dioxide. Right? That's why if you put a bag over your head and you breathe, eventually the oxygen will all be gone. You'll just have carbon dioxide and you'll pass out. That's why if someone puts a, something plastic, that's why you don't let your kids play with Target bags. right? Because if it gets over their mouth, they can suffocate. What happens when you suffocate? You don't have oxygen. All you're breathing is carbon dioxide and it's poison because exhaust is poison. I mean, you know, I mean, know that God didn't want to just bring things into your life. He wants to get things out of your life. Come on. How many of you got some things in your life that you need to get rid of, that, you've, that you're burning out? And we all need to do that. We, we got to understand that part of your soul, part of God's process, isn't just you taking in the perfect love of God, but it's you getting rid of the sin and the junk and the addictions and the things that are detrimental to you because those are the things that will kill you. Well, I'm just going to focus on the love of God. Awesome. That needs to be your focus. Bring in that pure oxygen of God's spirit. But I'm telling you, get rid of that junk in your life because it will kill you. Hey? Listen, the health of our respiratory system is what we call this. It's crucial to the way that our body functions, our ability to breathe, our ability to breathe. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Now, God create. we know the story of creation. God creates, you know, the heavens and the earth, and he creates the animals, and he creates the trees, and God creates this huge ecosystem that supplies what? Oxygen, right? So God creates all this before he creates man. He said, I'm going to create a context, an ecosystem for him to live in. If you know anything about, like, photosynthesis and the way that trees work and all this oxygen, and they've actually talked about how could we put life on Mars well, if we can get trees to grow there right, then we could put people there. But we've got to be able to oxygenate the air because people can't survive without oxygen. So it says this in Genesis 2, 7. It says, the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. And then it says this, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. 
Man became a living being. One translation says it this way, a living soul. So what happened is God made this man, which was just like a creature, just like all these other things. He created this man, Adam, in the garden. Adam was there, and he, was, he could do things. He could function. He could eat. He could do all this stuff. And he said, but I'm going to make this one different. This is what makes human life different. Let me tell you right here. This is the thing that makes you different than all other creation, than all other animals. This is why human life is sacred. Is because God said, I will breathe on him and make him a living soul. Not just a functioning robot. Not just another mammal on the earth. I'm going to put the breath of life inside of him and he will be a living soul. You are unique because of that. So what makes us different as creation is we have living souls. Not just souls, but living souls. If we talk about our souls being our mind, our will, and emotions, we know animals have that, but you have a living soul. You have a living soul with eternal significance. And let me tell you this today. You don't just have a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Get this today. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Okay? So you are a soul, you have a body. It's like, I have a home. My home is not at 1016 Darby Town. That's my house. That's where my home is. Come on. But that's my house. My home is Leslie Brown. Come on. And Uriah Brown. And Elisa Brown. And Mariah Brown. And Judah Brown. That, that's my home. My home is my family. And that's the same way with you. you. You have a house that you live in, but that's not who you are. You are the soul that is inside of you. You are that, that quiet person that only you know when you close your eyes and sleep at night. That one where worry and fear and doubt and hope and joy dwell. You're a soul. You have a body. Y'all all right? Now, some of us, because of our soul, feel suffocated. We feel like we can barely breathe. We're overwhelmed, we're overworked, we're overexhausted, we're living life going, man, and I, I, we've probably said this, if I could just take a minute to breathe, right? Have you ever said that? Have you said that in the past week? I just, I just need a moment to, to check out. I just need a day off. I just, I just need to get away. I need to go somewhere wise so I can breathe. And the statement of your life has become overwhelmingly, rather than going, man, I'm living life and I'm doing this, life is living you. And you're overwhelmed and you're overcome. And you make statements like, I can't breathe. I'm exhausted. I feel weighted. I just can't move on. Some of, some of you are discouraged by the events that happened this week. And you're going, I can't breathe. What's wrong with my soul? Why do I feel so troubled? Why do I feel so discouraged? What do I feel so hopeless? What is it? That's your soul. How is your soul? How are you, soul? How are you, soul? Oh, soul, oh, soul. Listen, can I tell you today that some of it could be the environment you're in, the air that you're breathing, or some of it is just your soul ain't healthy. Now, let me just say this. For some reason in the church, we get real bashful when our soul's not healthy. You know what? If, if, if someone came to me and they said, man, you got liver disease, I'd say, I'm going to the doctor. I mean, I would pray. 
I believe faith, but I would go to the doctor. No shame. I'm not going to be like, hey, uh, hey, doc, I have something to tell you. Hey, uh, nobody's listening, right? I have liver disease. Okay, good. And I wouldn't stay home going, well, man, hope nobody knows I have liver disease. Why? Because I want to get healthy. I want, listen, when your soul ain't healthy, you get around people like us, and you say, you know what, my soul's not healthy. Don't you be bashful and think it's because you're unspiritual? You need to get healthy. You need people. You need the Lord. You need your soul restored. Why are we bashful about that? Because the devil wants to lock you up in shame. That's why. So get some help. Look at your neighbor and say, get some help. Oh, soul. Look at your other neighbor. Oh, soul. Get some help. Uh, we did a series about a year and a half ago called uh, The Good Shepherd, and we, we talked about that. It was a great series. Just a lot of revelation there. And uh, there's, there's a state that I want to revisit that series for just a minute, and if, if this really chimes with you, you can, you can go and you can get that and listen to it. But David says this in Psalms 43, verse 5. He says this. He says, why so downcast, O my soul? How many of you ever been like that? You're like, What's wrong with you? I think I said, David was having a, what's wrong with you moment? I mean, I have those moments all the time. What's wrong with me? What? Why did I do that? David goes, why? Why are you discouraged? Josh Brown? Oh, so, oh, so. Why so downcast? Why are you discouraged? Why do you feel like you can't breathe? Oh, so, so. This is what David said, oh soul, why so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Don't put your hope in the situations, the circumstances, the news. Come on, we put our hope in God. He's the one that controls the health of our soul. You know, sheep are built in such a way that they can get into a, a, a place called cast. Or downcast. So sheep will get into this place where maybe they get unhealthy or maybe they just, you know, make, make a mistake or whatever, and they fall over on their side. Now, you guys have maybe seen this like on Minecraft or something. And they fall over, maybe it's because their, their, uh, their wool, I was about to say fur, their wool is, is too big and they fall over, or maybe it's because they had too much to eat last week, and they fall over and they can't get up. Literally. They fall in and they can't get up, and they're just, they're sheep. And all they do is they just go, meh, bleeding, not bleeding, but bleating, meh, kicking their legs, hoping somebody will come and pick them up. Well, what happens, and part of the reason why a shepherd is always so concerned about lost sheep, because he knows a sheep can fall over and become cast or downcast. And so what he'll, he'll do is if he counts his sheep and he's like, oh, man, I have 50 sheep and, and there are only 49 here. Where's Shelly sheep at? He starts looking around. Where's she at? You guys seen Shelly? No, man, I hope she ain't cast. I better go find her. But when that shepherd, that good shepherd goes out, that's why he leaves the 99. Come on, go to the hills, look for the one that wandered off because they could fall over. You know, as pastors, we deal with this all the time. We, somebody ends up missing. We're like, oh, my gosh, man, I hope they're okay. We're checking on them. They're like, man, just leave me alone. I'm like, well, we just want to make sure you're not cast. Come on. And so... What what a good shepherd does is he goes and he he he'll listen and see if they're meh, meh, bleeding, run out and find this sheep that had 
wandered off and maybe fallen down cast. And if he found one that cast us, he'll, he'll go over there. Because what happens is when they fall over like that is they start losing the circulation in their legs. And they start losing the circulation in their body. And they can actually suffocate. They start bloating and their breathing stops. And a sheep will die, not because something came and ate them, but just because they fell over and they couldn't get up. Sound familiar? And so what the shepherd does is he sees that sheep and he comes over and he, he'll rub and massage the legs of the sheep. And this is called restoring the sheep. And he'll pick that sheep up and he'll love that sheep. And if it's got too much wool, he'll trim that wool. And if it's too fat, then he'll put it on a rigorous diet. He'll begin to restore this sheep. And that's why it says in Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. And it says this in verse three, he restores my soul. So, oh soul, oh soul, Let me tell you today, you might feel cast. You might feel down. You might feel beat down. You might feel discouraged. You might feel like you can't breathe. But I'm telling you, you got a good shepherd that's looking for you. That's saying, I know where to find you because I'm good. And I'm going to get you up and I'm going to restore you. And I'm going to put you in the place where you need to be. I want to talk about the restored soul today. You know, we have a respiratory system. And God has a restoratory system. We have a solar system, and God has a solar system. <laughs> the restored soul. Y'all all right? Y'all aren't laughing at me today. Or not enough. I'm oh so, oh so. They just won't laugh at my joke. <laughs> Put your hope in the Lord. He thinks you're funny. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for laughing. All right. The restored soul. Y'all ready? God's restoratory system, if you want to write that down. I know that's that's pretty awesome. It, it took me a while to come up with that, so I'd appreciate a little, you know. Spent like four hours on that one. Thank you. Thank you. Solar, solar system. Number one, first of all, if you want to get into God's restoration system, the way that he restores, first of all, is you got to get reborn. I said, you got to get reborn. Listen, everything begins at this moment when you were reborn. Well, what's that mean? Listen, we must be born in spirit to experience his spirit. God put in us a soul, but your soul houses your spirit. So you have to be reborn of spirit to experience his spirit. And we talk about being reborn. We, we talk about being redeemed. We talk about being regenerated or renewed. This all happens. It all starts in this moment of being reborn. It's like you had this life, and now you have this life. There's story A that we close the book on. It's not a new chapter. It's a new story. Why? Because in Christ, all things have become new. It's not just we adapted, come on, Lord, I'm just kind of becoming like Jesus, and yes, you are, but it's not just like, well, I'm just kind of adding Jesus on and working him into my life. Mm -mm. You're reborn. That means you got to die to your old life. I ain't the way I used to be. Why? Because you died to that life and you've been reborn to a new one. See, what makes us unique as believers, those that said yes to Jesus, so does those that have been born again, is that not only do we have eternal significance, we have an eternal connection with God. 
See, now when you're reborn, you got to re- be reborn to come into this kingdom. See, you, you, you don't have a connection with God if you haven't been reborn. Well, man, when I was a little kid, I used to pray. You don't, you, you don't have that right. You don't have that authority. You don't have that ability. You got to be born a second time. See, our lungs' purpose is to process oxygen. Our spirit's purpose is to experience his presence. His presence is the oxygen. Come on, we'll get into that in a little bit. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. How would you like to be called Nicodemus? That would be fun in grade school. Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night. And said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who came from God, for no one could perform the miracles, the miraculous signs that you're doing if God weren't with him. And in reply, Jesus, he's like, Jesus, I loved how you did that miracle. And then Jesus looks at him and says, I'll tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom. No one can experience the greatest miracle unless he is born again. And then he thought about it for just a second. And he said, What? How can a man be born when he is old? Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I'll tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless he is born of water like you were whenever your mama gave birth to you. And of spirit. Born a second time. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You're alive. That's good. Better than the alternative. But spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying that you should be born again. That you should be born a second time. You've got to be born again. You say, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, we'll give you an opportunity to do that in just a few minutes. Number two. You've got to rest. How many know the first part of the word restore is rest? Come on. Now, what comes first, the resting or the restoring? Yes. Listen, the rested soul is a whole soul. You can be working for God 26 hours a day. Come on. You can be doing the business of God and not be rested. In fact, I, I found once, sometimes in my own life, I work the hardest when I feel I have to earn something. Oh. Lo, lo, by the way, lovers always work better than workers. Oh, come on. We can go right there. The soul that deals with unrest deals with tension, and they lack the strength that they need to move forward. I'm speaking to our staff today because we had a long weekend. You have inside, inside of where your lungs are, you have this muscle underneath your lungs. What is that called? The diaphragm. And that is what causes your lungs to, when you did that, you were, you were sending signals through your brain to your diaphragm to move that muscle up and down. But you know and I know that you can't work a muscle out all the time. That muscle has to rest. Ain't that right, Heather? 
that muscle has to rest. We were talking about this in community. You got You go out and you work your muscle, your arms out every day. You know, hoping they'll be like Josh Brown's one day. That's good. But you keep working those muscles out every day. If you don't take some time to rest, those muscles won't grow. They'll just get tired. They'll break down. They've got to have that rest in between them. You know, even God rested. Right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says that God created all this stuff. On the seventh day, God had finished the work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. Now, did God need to rest? No. But he rested. He said, the example, that word for rest is Shabbat. Right? Shabbat. He rested. Our our Jewish-inclined friends say, Shabbat Shalom. What are they saying? Rest. Peace. That's good. I like that. Somebody tells me that, I'm kind of like, what? Shabbat shalom. Like, tell me in English. <laughs> peace, rest. You, because you can't have rest without peace. See, you can, you, can, you can go and you can sleep all day tonight. You can sleep for 12 hours and wake up tomorrow and feel the same that you did today because a well-slept soul isn't necessarily a well-rested soul. Because if you don't have peace, you don't get rest. And let me also say this, if you don't get rest, you won't have peace. Come on. Shabbat shalom. Peace, rest. They go together. They work together. You can't have rest without peace, and you can't have peace without rest. But let me tell you today, our rest is in a man, Jesus. See, what happened when God created the heavens and the earth. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to create all this stuff. And then he looked at it. He said, it's good. And then he sat down. He's like, oh, that was so good. I like the way that looks. And God sat down and he enjoyed what he did. He rested. He sat down. Can I tell you that Jesus, when he walked the earth, and he lived on the earth and he did his ministry, he did what he was supposed to do. On the cross, he said, it is finished. Come on, are you with me? Jesus said, it is finished. What does he say? He is saying, the work here is done. And then you know what happened? He rose from the dead. He defeated hell in the grave. And then you know what happened? It says that he went to heaven and he did this. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he sat down. You know why? Because when, you, when the job is done, you can sit down. And can I tell you today, the work has been done. The work for your peace has been done. The work from your, from your labors and your striving and for the health of your soul, the work has been done. So the key to rest is not sleep. It's trust. Trust the finished work of the cross. Trust what Jesus did. I'm so overwhelmed. Trust him. He is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord, intervene. Lord, intervene. I did. Believe it. Believe it. I believe. Just start singing that song. I believe. I would sing, keep singing, but I don't think I hit that. Trust. Trust the voice. Rest has more to do with trusting than time off than sleeping. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Whew. My father, Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. It's hot in here. It's just me. My father has 
entrusted everything to me. Oh, how much? Everything. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Oh, come on, somebody, that's me. Count me in, Jesus. Then he said this, verse 28, Matthew 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Listen, if you don't come to Jesus, you're not going to get rest. And I'm not talking about you come up to an altar. I'm talking about you had a bad day and you need rest. The only way you're going to get rest is have a come to Jesus meeting. And say, Lord, my soul is troubled. Don't go to Facebook for your encouragement. You're not going to find it there. You'll find a heavy burden. But you go, listen, don't go to the news. You go to the man. Who has a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. And he'll take away the heaviness. And he'll take away the junk and the stuff that you're worried and stressed out about. I know. I know it sucks. I know it's hard. I know your heart is heavy. But I'm telling you, there's only one that can bring it light. There's only one that finished the work. Come to me. That's his cry. It's not go away. Lord, I'm so burdened. Go away. That's not his heart. His heart is to take away your burdens. His, bur- his heart is to lighten your load, not put things on. Man, I would come to the Lord, but I've done some. His role is to take it away and give you rest for your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Let, my, let me teach you. Let him teach you. you don't need, listen, I love Christian books. You don't need another Christian book. You don't need another Christian Bible study. You need the Lord's presence. If that helps get you there, then get into that. You don't, need a, you don't need another church or a better preacher or a better pastor or a greater community group. All that stuff will help the process. It will help get you there. But what you need is the man who gives rest. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, soul, oh, soul. Let's go to Jesus. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So number one, we got to be reborn. Number two, we got to rest. Number three, we got to find a rhythm. You know, steady wins the race. I said steady wins the race. You know, the, the only sin that we reward today is the sin of overworking. We reward that. Oh, they're such a hard worker. They're a workaholic, like a badge of honor. Now, Jesus talks about the Sabbath. The Lord gave us a Sabbath. But why did the Lord give us a Sabbath? If I don't do that, is he going to knock me over the head with the, with the Ten Commandments stone? Don't you know what the commandment is? Smack. No, check this out. Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You weren't made for the day off. The day off was made for you. Take it. Well, man, I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to Jesus. When was the last time you took a day off? When was the last time you slowed down? Oh, oh, oh. Listen, if we don't take time for physical rest, rest will make time for us. Don't let your life steward you. You steward your life. You get to choose. You're an adult. We're all adults, most of us. 
But you're old enough to choose. You decide. And don't, don't come to me and you can come to me, but don't come to me and be like, I'm just, I'm just burned out. Are you, are you taking any time off? Sabbath for the man? You want it? Yeah, take it. Well, I don't have time. It'll make time for you. It'll get you. And it'll win. You'll take off more time than you want to take off. Come on, somebody. So you better get that rhythm. You better figure it out. Now, it doesn't mean you sit around the house for three weeks and then go to work one day. That You got it wrong. God didn't create you for rest. He created rest for you. Let's get that straight. But you better take that rest. Or again, it'll take time for you. Number four is reliance. This is the last point. Reliance. Reliance on what? The pure oxygen of his spirit. His breath is the oxygen for our spirit. When God came in and he breathed in you, he he created a vacuum in you. When you were born again, you were created for the need of that relationship, of that oxygen. Hear me. When, our, when Judah was born, Judah was born in the bathtub, and I remember this moment more than I do our other children. It was late, middle of the night, and Leslie's giving birth in our tub, and I watched Judah come out of, of the womb, and he's in the water, and he comes out, and I watch his head. He, he opens his eyes, and he kind of looks around when he comes out, and he... And the thing is, is a baby can stay in that water until they come out. Are you with me? So he was just kind of floating around, looking around. We didn't leave it long because we wanted to get our hands on him. But I just, I remember watching him. It seemed like it was ages. And he just opens his eyes and he kind of looks around. But do you know when he came out of that water and he took that first breath and stopped living off his mama's oxygen, that he has to breathe until the day he dies? Can I tell you today? that you are dependent upon the Holy Spirit, that you are reliant upon the Lord. You have to have. Listen, if you do not have the breath of His Spirit in your life every day, you will die. You will die spiritually. You will get unhealthy. God, you've got to understand this. You are dependent upon Him. You have to have His presence. You have to have it. It's not optional. Well, you know, I just don't have time. You make the time. Or you die. And then we spent all these months in counseling. Dealing with all the damage that was caused because you would not breathe the air he provided. You need him. He is your oxygen. Until he becomes that, the health of your soul will always reflect the environment that you're in. Well, I just need a better place to work. I get this all the time. We hear this all the time. I just wish I worked around Christians so the air was better, so my environment was better, so I could feel like I'd breathe words better. Listen, as long as you are depending upon your environment to breathe, you will never be breathing pure oxygen. You'll never be breathing the pure spirit of God. And let me tell you this also. Did you know? That you go to a higher altitude, it's harder to breathe. See, we believe that if I grow in my walk, it'll be easier to breathe. Can I tell you that it's the opposite? The higher your altitude, the more acclimated you have to get 
to that altitude before you can go to the next level. So some of you, the reason, listen, the reason why it's difficult right now is because God is growing you. Because he is taking you to a higher place. So quit saying what's wrong with me. Listen, you're just in a new environment. You're just a little higher than you used to be. So you just got to breathe that pure oxygen. You just got to make sure that's what these guys do that will climb out of Everest. Guys die because they can't handle the altitude. And that's the same way with you. If you do not become more dependent upon the pure oxygen of the Spirit of God, you will die on this journey. But when you you go up higher, you got that oxygen taken. You just breathe it. You say, yes, Lord, I'm going to a higher place. There's no place I can't go because I'm dependent upon your spirit. New levels, new devils. But can I tell you today, you will be able to handle it. You will be able to breathe. It'll take some time to get acclimated here. And about the time that you are, it's going to be time to go to the next level. So the difficulty that you're having breathing right now might not be because something's wrong. It might be because something's right. You're dealing with the tension. Lord, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, you're right where I want you because we're spending time together and you're trusting me and I'm increasing the altitude. I want you to live on a higher level. I want you to live on a new plane. Jesus, right here, John 6, 63, says the Spirit alone gives eternal life. The Spirit alone, the pneuma. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are Spirit. The pneuma. And they are life. <laughs>